Welcome to the Anthemist Podcast, a slightly irreverent exploration of the stories and histories behind national anthems. I'm your host, Josh Hugel. And I'm your co-host, Robert Winship. Today we're talking about the Republic of Belarus, a formerly Soviet nation with a lovely name that doesn't get that much international attention. So it's perfect for us as we cover about 400 years of Belarusian history, from the 1700s through the beginning of the 21st century, which includes actually three different anthems. To start out, when we began our research on this week's episode with honestly next to no real existing knowledge of the history of this country, we were expecting to learn about, well, the history of a country. Instead, we learned about a people group that has existed since roughly the 6th century, but hadn't actually been formed as a sovereign nation until 1918. What we found as well was really that you could boil down the Belarusian existence as roughly 1,300 years of existence of a people group living amongst greater empires who continually worked against each other to redraw lines on a map and granted the Belarusian people no autonomy, either culturally nor politically, during a grand majority of that time. So with that said, let's start the clock and in an arbitrary and not at all requisite five minutes or less, give you the broad brushstrokes of Belarusian history. The year is 1715, and modern-day Belarus is a state within the greater Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth, which was simply a coalition of those two countries with a single monarch and one of the largest European countries at the time. By 1715, this Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth was exhausted and pretty damaged from rebellions and internal conflicts. The common monarch, King John III Sobieski, was forced to ask Russia for an intervention during an uprising. Peter the Great, who was the Russian monarch at the time, agreed on the condition that they sign away several levels of power to the Russian state and become a de facto Russian protectorate. In 1768, Catherine the Great becomes Empress of Russia. Quick aside, Uh, I know that there's a show on Hulu about her rather fascinating history, and though I've not yet seen it, I'm not sure anything could really do justice to the insane story behind her rise to power. So I have been watching the show. How is Um, it? I am through the first season. Uh, Insane is just the right word to describe (laughs) the chain of events that take place in that. Uh, Peter, in this case, is 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 certainly played as as sort of an an idiot right. or at least a vice driven mm-hmm. um and incompetent leader. Yeah. Wonderfully by Nicholas Holt. I would say I I like the show. I haven't quite lined up the history, but Excellent. If you're watching The Great, uh this is a a great episode for you, no pun intended. You can line up some of the events of history alongside that. So, uh along those lines, control of Poland was central to her diplomatic and military strategy. So Poland divorces Lithuania and hooks up with Russia, and now it's 1772. The empires of Russia, Prussia, and Habsburg, Austria form a clandestine treaty known as the Alliance of the Three Black Eagles. Incidentally, the name of my Motorhead tribute band. The three black eagles invade from three different directions to partition part of Poland for the greater good. And this, of course, is just a polite way of saying they took the things they wanted by force 
simply because they could. They are truly majestic hunters. <laughs> so beautiful. <laughs> Boland didn't have the strength to fend off even one of these enemies, let alone three. So, for the three Black Eagles, the campaign was a success. So much so that they got the band back together in 1793 and for a farewell campaign in 1795. And that final push in 1795 completely erased the once great Polish-Lithuanian Commonwealth from the European map. By the end of the 18th century, the Russian Empire had annexed all of the ethnic Belarusian territory. These events, and this is important to note, effectively ended the existence of both Poland and Lithuania for 123 years, until both were reestablished post-World War I. So although no sovereign Polish state existed between 1795 and 1918, the idea of Polish independence was kept alive throughout the 19th century. Uh, as a result, there were a number of uprisings and other armed undertakings waged against the partitioning powers, particularly large conflagrations happening around 1830 and 1863. This is important in the context of our story because the near constant swings of armed insurrection and subsequent repression, depolification and hyper-Russification in the now expanded lands of the Russian Empire were carried out not just against Poles, but against all ethnic minorities, to include Russian Jews in particular. This meant that ethnic Belarusians struggled for a long period of time to maintain ties to their own ethnic heritage. In a particular Russification drive in the 1830s, Nicholas I, uh, the Tsar of Russia, forbade the use of the term Belarusia and renamed the region the Northwestern Territory, air quotes. He also prohibited the use of Belarusian language in public schools, campaigned against Belarusian publications, and tried to pressure those who had converted to Catholicism under the Poles to reconvert to the Orthodox faith. But by the 1860s, both pro-Russian and pro-Polish parties in the Belarusian lands began to realize that a decisive role in the upcoming conflicts would rely on winning over the peasantry. So there's an influx of propaganda from both sides targeting the peasantry and published in Belarusian language. A number of authors started publishing in the Belarusian language and the cultural identity began to reemerge as the Industrial Revolution began to take hold. After the 1905 revolution, Nicholas II finally relented and officially recognized the Belarusian language as independent and allowed its teaching. So after the February revolution in Russia in 1917, the first of two that happened that year and the one that initially deposed the Tsar, Belarusian government members began discussing what should be done, either declare complete independence from the Russian Empire or attempt to merely gain autonomy within the new Russian Republic. A year later, Minsk was captured by German troops during World War I on 21 February 1918. That same day, the Belarusian Council passed its first constituent charter and declared itself the only legitimate power in the territory of Belarus. On March 25th, it declared 
full independence and named itself the Belarusian National Republic, or BNR. Now, neither the Bolsheviks nor the Germans recognized this new government. However, the Germans saw the use in creating a buffer state between them and the Russians and thus granted them autonomy, while the Bolsheviks then created the Soviet Socialist Republic of Belarus in Smolensk. More on that later. The national anthem for this new nation was selected as the Vyatsky Marsh, which means March of the Warriors. Uh, an alternative title, and I apologize ahead of time for my butchering of this beautiful language. Mi vidsim stinimi radami, which means come we shall march in joint endeavor. The lyrics, written by Makar Kralkov, were first published in 1919 in Minsk in the newspaper Belarus. The hymn, composed by Uladzumir Tarowski, was decided upon in 1920 after the unfortunate events we are soon about to recount transpire. So, let's listen to the first anthem for Belarus. That was the first of three national anthems of Belarus. This one, I would say, in the march style, a little slower than some marches, but yeah. certainly in the construction of that. It has a nice kind of internal drama to it. Yeah. Um, obviously, I don't speak Belarusian, so it's harder to to make out what's being said in that, but we can read the lyrics later. Yeah. But definitely feels like an anthem and definitely feels like an anthem of uh, Eastern Europe. Of a Slavic peoples. <laughs> yeah, there's there's... Some particular, uh, there's some particular stuff in the melody. Like I, I like how much of it's in minor. Mm. Like the the verses themselves are in minor and resolve in the chorus to major, which is something that we haven't heard. Mm-hmm. And and like the song itself, like there's there's nothing in here really that that feels very like dour or down in any way. Like it it all still feels triumphant, but it's it's tinged with this like kind of odd air of sadness, which I kind of dig. It's feels. Completely unique to stuff that we have heard before, 
and I like that. I yeah, I completely agree. And and fortunately, I think we've jumped around enough over the world that we're trying to capture, um, at least in this first in these first ten episodes, yeah. a nice snapshot of what anthems can sound like or what they typically sound like, whether they're the Latin American epics, the marches. Uh, Arab fanfare. Let's cover a little bit of the lyrics here. Uh, We'll just read the first couple stanzas. Come, we shall march in joint endeavor, the title of the song, through the free spaces of our native land. May freedom dwell with us forever, and every onslaught we will withstand. Long live the Belarusian spirit brave, the bold free spirit of our nation. White, red, and white, the banners wave above our fight for liberation. To arms, may happiness and freedom for our brave people in the fight be won. Too long in torment we were bleeding to battle each and every one. Ah, may the Belarusian name and might be seen and heard from near and far by all who'd rule us without right or first dare challenge us to war. Come, brothers, we march on to fortune. Let thunder roar still louder in the strife. We'll bring to birth from anguish torture for our republic, a new life. For our dear country, a new life. Pretty powerful stuff. On my short list of themes in these national anthems, we do have a little bit of non-specific references through the free spaces of our native land. So some ideas of geography there, some more general, you know, bravery of spirit. Now, of course, we're reading an English translation that is meant to rhyme words in the translation as opposed to being a direct translation. Mm. So um, it can be a little bit hard to critique, but I think it's it's just fine if a little bit generic. Um, I am positive that there is a word in Belarusian in particular where there isn't a proper American approximation so we just go with happiness which feels like a really lazy thing it's in i think every single anthem in some cases multiple times and but i don't it might be joy it might be something else where like they just they use that word because that's a a rough enough approximation that they were like okay fine right but more importantly when when again we consider the fact that like these people have existed for now over an eon <laughs> under other flags under other regimes and and in some cases we're basically not even allowed to exist this is a pretty bold statement of intent that that time is now past and that we're not messing around anymore and like we want to continue to identify as proud members of this Ethnic society, yes, but w- with like one in which we have been able to carve out our own borders. So a line like, ah, may the Belarusian name and might be seen and heard from near and far reflects a triumph over complete oppression yes. and removal of that language. It's a pretty powerful statement of intent, despite the fact that like the only reason why they have this ability is because yet another invader has like steamrolled through their territory mm-hmm. and naped. everything around them but at this at that time like ultimately they are finally free from the russian yoke and that is enough for them to say this is mine's now (laughs) (laughs) it yeah it it adds it injects what are otherwise sort of standard words And, and i do appreciate what you bring up about 
languages that I hear, watch me speak really broadly and stupidly about language, but <laughs> in, you know, in certain language, you know, like in English, we have, you know, maybe very specific words for something that another language might, you know, capture very broadly and vice versa. Yeah. So I Absolutely. should be careful in my assessment of uh, the lyrics to a song that have been translated into English where those might not completely align. You're probably missing a lot of the nuance here. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's key, especially when we're talking about the nuance and context of the histories that um, from which these anthems spring. And this one especially, even if the, the lyrics might seem a little bit broad, they come from a very specific place, which gives them and imbues with them with a certain a certain realism and grit that that is not necessarily the case with all anthems yeah uh on on some of the more uh kind of over-the-counter anthems let's yeah, say sure so a little bit of historical flavor text um during the soviet occupation of belarus uh the song was actually banned uh however there were attempts to adapt the lyrics to the communist ideology by replacing mentions of like the white red white flag with those of the soviet red banner um throughout the 20th century the march has actually uh actively been used by pro-independence organizations of the belarusian diaspora uh after the restoration of independence of belarus in 1991 after the wall came down there were propositions to make vyatsky marsh the state anthem of the republic of belarus uh in particular uh, the renowned writers, again, I apologize for butchering your names, Vasil Byaku, Alex Adamovich, and Rior Baradulin have issued a public appeal in favor of making Vyatsky March the state anthem of Belarus. Additionally, today, the Vyatsky March enjoys a certain popularity among both the Belarusian diaspora and the Belarusian democratic opposition and is traditionally mentioned as uh, a possible proposed alternative to the current official anthem, which we will explore in a bit. In December 1918, the Middle Europa strategy was made obsolete as the German Empire began to collapse and the Germans withdrew from their eastern-held territories. And for the next few years in the newly created power vacuum, the territories of Belarus would witness the struggle of various national and foreign factions. Uh, on 3rd December 1918, Germans withdraw from Minsk. A week later, Soviet troops arrive and occupy the city. The Council of the People's Republic of Belarus goes into exile, First to Kanaus, then to Berlin, and finally to Prague. Later on, after further incursions by the Poles and Soviets, uh, they move their capital to Paris, and later still to Toronto, and finally to Ottawa, where they have remained since 1983. Uh, they have become the most influential political organization of the Belarusian diaspora and an advocacy group promoting support to Belarusian independence and democracy in Belarus among Western policymakers. As of 2019, the Rada BNR is the oldest existing government in exile. On January 2nd of 1919, the Soviet Socialist Republic of Belarusia was declared and uh, merely a month later, about a month and a half later, on February 17th, it was disbanded. 
Part of it was included into the Russian SFSR, and part was joined to the Lithuanian SSR. There, the name was preserved as the Lithuanian Belarusian Soviet Socialist Republic, informally known as Litbel. While the Belarus National Republic faced off with Litbel, foreign powers were preparing to reclaim what they saw as their territories, so Polish forces were moving from the west and Russians from the east. When Vilnius, which is the capital of Litbel, was captured by Polish forces on April 17, 1919, they were forced to move the capital over to Minsk. So on July 17th of 1919, Lenin dissolved Litbel because the pressure of Polish forces advancing from the west. Polish troops captured Minsk on August 8th of 1919. The resulting Polish-Soviet war carried on until 18 March 1921, when the Soviets offered to ostensibly redraw the lines to the pre-first partition state of the Polish-Lithuanian Empire some 200 years before. Unfortunately, what this means for Belarus is it was essentially cut in half, and it remained so until the Second World War. It was around this time that the Soviets refounded the Belarusian Soviet Republic, this time dubbing it the BSSR. And any good refounding of a Soviet Republic needs a new anthem. So we have the second Belarusian national anthem here.
That was the anthem of the Belarusian Soviet Socialist Republic. Before we get into uh, a little bit of an assessment of that, let's read the lyrics. We Belarusians, together with Fraternal Rus, together looked for roads to fortune. In struggles for freedom, in struggles for fate, we have gained our banner of victories. The name of Lenin united us. The party leads us in the quest to happiness. Glory to the party. Glory to the motherland. Glory to you, our Belarusian people, gathering strength, people of Belarus in a fraternal union, in a powerful family. Forever we shall, free men, live in a happy and free land. The name of Lenin united us. The party leads us in the quest to happiness. Glory to the party, glory to the motherland, glory to you, our free people. The friendship of peoples, the strength of peoples, to happiness of the workers, it's the sunny path. Proudly we raise to sky heights the banner of communism, joy's flag. The name of Lenin united us, the party leads us in the quest to happiness. Glory to the party, glory to the motherland, glory to you, our Soviet people. Uh, this is a highly specific, and I cannot think of a finer example of a Soviet anthem. <laughs> this is great. Yeah, man. It's uh, even musically, it feels like you know the the Soviet anthem itself has been memed to death. I know that people have basically been asking us, "When are you guys going to do Russia?" But uh, this feels like a spiritual cousin to that same song. You know what I mean? Like the the melodic construction is roughly similar and. The, Here we have more of a hymn style. Yeah, and and within within that, I mean, again, like it's just it's all about the party. It's all about the joys of you know the the communal life as we all work towards the the greater good. You know, we're we're all heading in the same direction. We're all doing the same thing. The individuality thing is out. Group think is in. Let's get this done and bring about the joy of a greater communist society to all people. Right, kind of an an opposite or, or a conflicting theme compared to the first national anthem all about yeah. lifting uh, the Belarusian name and language from beneath the reign of Russia yeah, and, and showing that, that specific and unique and storied identity. Here yeah. it's to take that and let it be subsumed by the greater communist. We uh, Belarusians together with fraternal Rus. Like, we are all one people. We're all in this together. You know all we that stuff all we same. said uh, a few years Two, back? Uh, 18 months ago? Yeah. <laughs> nah. No. We tried that. Didn't really work. No. Hey, we're, we're doing we're this brothers. thing now. Forget that. That's a whole other people. Yeah. Um, For the second anthem of Belarus. But yeah. there's still one anthem left. This anthem was composed by Nestor Sakalowski with lyrics by Mikas Klimkovich. Now, Belarusia was the last Soviet republic to adopt an anthem, uh, excluding the Russian SFSR, which never had an official anthem. The first version was written in the 1940s, but the lyrics took 11 years of alterations before they were officially adopted in 1955. And frankly, when, when you look at these lyrics, it really smacks of something that was written by committee. <laughs> I, it praises the committee. It, yeah, well, specifically, but beyond that, it's it goes so far as to be like the the least like offensive thing that it could possibly be. And that again, that isn't meant as a criticism. It it just merely is is like I could imagine having 
meeting after meeting after meeting being like, I really don't like the second line of the third stanza. We should have another meeting about changing it. I think we need one more chorus to praise Lennon. Sure thing, comrade. Let's do that. Hail to the party. Most SSR state anthems mentioned Stalin until 1956 when the process of de-Stalinization began. At that point, these anthemic words were changed, but the Belarusian anthem adopted the year after Stalin's death remained unchanged, mostly because they took so dang long to decide what it should be. Apparently, a little footnote here, there is a version mentioning Stalin that was produced before the official adoption of the lyrics in 1955, which brings us to World War II. When the Soviet Union invaded Poland on September 17, 1939, Western Belarusia, which was part of Poland, was included into the BSSR. Western Belarus was Sovietized, and in that process, tens of thousands were imprisoned, deported, and murdered, uh, the victims being mostly Polish and Jewish. In total, Belarus lost a quarter of its pre-war population in World War II, including practically all of its intellectual elite. About 9,200 villages and 1.2 million homes were destroyed. Uh, The major towns of Minsk and Vitsebsk lost over 80% of their buildings and city infrastructure. For the defense against the Germans and the tenacity during the German occupation, the capital Minsk was awarded the title Hero City after the war. Additionally, it must be said that what little remained of the Belarusian intellectual elite uh, post-World War II was basically extinguished during the Great Purge in 1948. Uh, Those that were not uh, assassinated or sent to prison camps uh, were mostly relocated, I think, to Kazakhstan? Which is an oddly specific choice, but again, like you're 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 trying to prevent any voices that could potentially create dissent, mm-hmm. and the intellectual elite itself mm-hmm. uh, is definitely that of the 129 PhDs that existed in Belarus between 1945 and 48, six remained by 1950. That is a very interesting statistic. Yeah. Huh. And a really unfortunate one. Between the end of World War II and the collapse of the Soviet Union, there's not too much to say about Belarus aside from the fact that they were the most greatly affected by the Chernobyl disaster, uh, to reference another, uh, I hate to say wonderful, but extremely well-made, if completely depressing and bleak HBO program uh, that I highly recommend you watch. That disaster, um, a nuclear meltdown, took place in Pripyat, which basically borders Belarus. 60% of the fallout landed in-country, which is to say in the country of Belarus. And over a quarter of Belarus has permanent radiation monitoring to this day. 
We are obviously going to cover the rise and fall of the Soviet Union in depth later on. So for now, we will jump ahead to the 1990s. Toward the final years of the Soviet Union's existence, the Supreme Soviet of the Belarusian SSR adopted the Declaration of State Sovereignty on July 27, 1990. August of the same year, Stanislav Salskiewicz was elected as the country's first head of state. And 10 days later, on August 25, 1991, the Belarusian SSR declared its independence and renamed itself the Republic of Belarus. Soviet Union was dissolved four months and one day later on December 26, 1991. After the fall of the Soviet Union, we have one final and current national anthem to play. So let's do that now. So that was my Belarusi, uh, an original Belarusian song. A very original song that ought to sound familiar. That was the third national anthem, essentially the same musically as the second national anthem with some minor changes. Um, the lyrics uh, in that particular version We Belarusians are peaceful people, wholeheartedly devoted to our motherland. We are faithful friends growing up and living in a hard-working and independent family. Glory to the blessed name of our land. Glory to the brotherly union of people. O oh, our beloved motherland, live long and prosper. Belarus. Together with our brothers, we for centuries courageously defended our home's threshold in battles for freedom and battles for our lot. We have won our banners of victory. Friendship of peoples is the strength of peoples, and it is our sacred sunlit path. Proudly we fly in the clear blue skies, the banner of victory, the sunshine's flag. Glory to the blessed name of our land. Glory to the brotherly union of peoples. Our dearly beloved motherland, may you live long and prosper, Belarus. After the dissolution of the Soviet Republic, they decided like a lot of other former Soviet states, to keep the music and scrap the lyrics. And these new lyrics, which were written by the original lyricist Mikas Klimkovic and Uladzimir Karizhny, were adopted by a presidential decree issued on July 2nd of 2002. And 
Although the idea for the new lyrics was to declare a friendlier Belarus, only slight changes were actually made to the Soviet-era hymn. Specific references to Russia, the Communist Party, and Lenin were all replaced, but the overall themes and the original music all still stayed intact. Officially, the government decided to keep Sokolovsky's music in order to, quote, maintain historical continuity and also on account of its popularity and musical quality. It certainly has a musical quality. Uh, in I'm nodding yes. In, <laughs> in 2003, the organization Freedom House commented on the adoption of the anthem in their report about the country, saying that by reintroducing a streamlined version of the Soviet-era anthem, President Lukashenko proved himself to be the quintessential Soviet Belarusian patriot who presides over a regime steeped in Soviet nostalgia with an attempt to restore them. So, Alexander Lukashenko has served as the country's first and only, air quotes, president since 1994. Uh, Belarus has unfortunately been labeled Europe's last dictatorship by some Western journalists and is rated as the worst country for press freedom in Europe. Uh, There is currently no freedom of speech, nor free press, and there hasn't been a free or fair election ever. And it will very likely remain so for at least as long as Putin remains in power. Now, we here at the Anthemist podcast have the great fortune of coming from a democratized Western society where there is always the potential for things to improve. And unfortunately, uh, that is not the case everywhere in the world. And we have to allow for the ability to end on a down note because autocracy still is a thing and an unfortunate thing at that. Um, And we want to give plenty of space, I think, for that to exist because ultimately it does. Yeah. um, You don't want to sort of make a joke to end it, even though, you know, we we try to have a little bit of irreverence. If there's anything, it is interesting to be able to take a long approach because you you sort of hope for some some release of that or some freedom from that as we have seen at least shortly for Belarus in the past um but Josh is absolutely right there's no easy way to say uh it kind of sucks right now uh for Belarus and so we end this major portion of the show on a little bit of a down note uh in this final anthem cleaned up a little bit from the Soviet socialist republic but in a political landscape that's not that far off. Yeah, but also, you know, making a statement of solidarity with the people of Belarus in that we know things eventually will change. Lukashenko's in his 60s, won't be around forever. And with the way things are going in the world, it's entirely possible that once there becomes a power vacuum, that incredible things could potentially be happening for them. So we wish them all the best of luck in the future. Indeed. So, thank you for listening to this episode of the Anthemist Podcast. If you have any questions, comments, or strongly worded emails about anything we've covered, please send them to anthemistpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, Josh, what great nation will we sing about next week? We'll be talking about the nation of Iceland. The nation of Iceland. For Iceland is green and Greenland is ice, but they brought us Bjork 
And I don't know why I can't think of anybody else. Various black metal bands. Various black metal bands. And the Vinland Saga, when really that came from Japan. But it's about Iceland, so go watch it. And we'll cover that all next week on the Anthemist podcast. From the Anthemist and for the Anthemist, I'm Robert Winship. And I'm Josh Hugel. We'll see you next week.